0: Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Hey, good morning to everyone who's worshiping and watching online with us. We're just thrilled to have you here. Last week was Father's Day. I was going to continue last week the series I began on the Holy Spirit and. I came down with a nasty sinus infection, which wound up also affecting my throat. So I, I could have come and worshipped, but it would have been like this. So I just took advantage of the time to recharge, recoup, and, and heal up. And I'm back full guns today. I'm ready to overflow Jesus into this house and through the airwaves. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the series talks about partnering with God's power. Now we hear a lot about God's power, but then when it comes to seeing a demonstration of God's power, especially with our modern day church in the U.S., around the world, but in our nation, I feel that we have become, as the Christian church, so program dependent, so service dependent, being able to take and dictate exactly how the music how the preaching, the now everything is. And I do believe in a spirit of excellence. I've been pastoring 45 years now, and, and, and I believe in excellence. But excellence without the power of God is just a show. I don't know about you, but even when I preach, when I bring the Word of God for a service, whether I'm preaching here or when I preach at conferences around the nation, you know, I don't want people and I don't want even myself to walk out the same way I came in. And I really believe that we're all in ongoing work. How about you? I know at least God's still working on me. And because of that, when I especially self-assess, I need God to continue to help me to be more like Jesus. I need His power when I speak. I need His anointing when we pray for very serious needs even at times around these altars. We've seen some incredible healings from cancers, and other infirmities in this church, especially recently, just simply by praying the Word of God and believing by faith that God still heals. How many of you believe God still heals? Amen. Amen. But it's an awesome responsibility to think about facing and representing God without partnering with His power, which the source of His power is who? The Holy Spirit. Sometimes in our churches, I was raised Southern Baptist. And uh, I really got saved. And you, Many of you have heard my story. I was in, in the rock industry as a musician. And when I got saved, it was a miraculous salvation. I'm a drummer by heart. Still love drums. That's why I sit right over here so I can watch the drummers each week. I enjoy good chops. But, you know, when God touched me, it was radical. It was night and day. And, and when I heard for the first time, I didn't realize it, but I was going to a Baptist, Southern Baptist, Pentecostal church. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? And, uh, but it was an incredible place. And when I first really heard about the Holy Spirit, obviously churches, we talk about Him. But then when I really learned about Him and was encouraged to encounter Him, experience Him, just like we experience Jesus through salvation... Who enabled that? The Holy Spirit. We could not have gotten saved, found Jesus as our Savior, had it not been for the Holy Spirit opening our eyes and our hearts. We didn't do it on our own. God, God, He just enables us all of a sudden. I, I, I remember it was the first Sunday in January, 1974. And I came, it was a Sunday night service, you know, because I didn't know the Lord yet, so I'm playing out late on a Saturday night. I can't get up early, right? And, and so I came for the evening gathering, I don't remember a word the pastor shared, but I do remember at the end, when they opened up for prayer for anybody that just wanted prayer and to make a commitment to Jesus or had special needs. I remember I got up and, 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 I, and, and I'm standing there singing, and all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed. I, I began to feel emotion. I began to I actually began to cry. And that was something I never did, because I grew up in a very difficult home. Godly mother, but my dad, until he came to know Jesus, it it was a very challenging home life. And and so I learned to harden myself, unfortunately, and I had built walls. And when I stood there and I began to feel these tears, I tried to turn them off, and, and, and I couldn't. And then I just heard the Lord say, Craig, what do you have that's so valuable that you think you'll lose if you commit to me? I'm so much better. And at that moment, I said, yes. One month later, I was, you know, I was at a service where they were teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As Charles and John Wesley termed it, the second work of grace, first work of grace is our salvation. And the second work of grace, provenient grace, according to Wesley, uh, is an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a baptism of fire. I tell you what, I've never been the same. I'm going to be 67 years old in August, and I, I just love Jesus even more than I've ever loved him. It's astounding. Have you ever asked yourself how can you can love someone so much and you've never heard his voice audibly? You've never touched him physically? You, you, you've never seen him with your visible eye? But yet there's this, during the worship I had to sit down. I was just so overwhelmed in his presence, in his presence. And I felt him. And I was just, I began to weep. And I I said, Lord, it's astounding. It's astounding. I can't wait. I feel you so strong now. But I can't wait till I see you so I can actually, with my eyes, with my ears, see and hear you. And kneel at your feet and just tell you how worthy and wonderful you are face to face. But until then, I'll keep telling you right now from earth. Hallelujah. And you know what's amazing when you worship? That's why I always tell people worship is so important. Worship attracts the presence of God when it's not done to entertain, but when it's done to minister to God. And so when we take and when we are worshiping, it actually brings heaven down to earth. Think about that. The Lord's Prayer fulfilled. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you want God's will done on earth? See, I really believe with all of my heart The Lord is really trying to bring the church at large, especially in this nation, back to that place where we understand politics and people and men aren't going to fix the problems we're facing. There needs to be a change in the heart. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. I'm not saying we, we shouldn't be a voice for morality. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's make sure first that our Hope is built, as the old hymn writer said, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Amen? And that's why I wanted to do this series on the Holy Spirit. We need Him. In fact, the hour we're living in, the moral decay that we're seeing in this nation, and, and, you know, I pray. Pray for our our Central Bucks School District Superintendent, Abe Lukabaw. He's a very close friend of mine. And I was talking with him the other day. He is really under fire for trying to make the right steps and right decisions to protect children. So we need to make sure we pray for those who are in key positions. But honestly, what's most important that's going to break the delusions in people's minds, because there are demonic spirits, believe it or not, just as there are angelic hosts that are here to work on God's behalf and to assist us. There are also demonic spirits that seek to do Satan's bidding, as Jesus revealed in John 10.10, to steal, kill, and destroy. And what we're seeing happening to precious children and, and the narratives that are being propagated, you know, we need to love the sinners, but we need to pray against these demonic strongholds of sin. We do, because that's the only way there's going to be lasting change. I'm telling you, when I got saved, there was a spirit of depression on me, and when I really committed to the Lord, bang, that quick it was broken. I was an empty rock and roll musician who had long hair. The only thing I'd like to go back to was my hair, not the way I was. But God instantly, in His presence, like that song, I've encountered personal healing in my body, in His presence. Many of you have. Those of you watching online, you've experienced the same thing. There is power in the presence of God. So the key for what the church needs is, is not more entertainment, and you know, but we need more of His presence. It's astounding. Look at all Jesus did. He didn't have all of the lights, and he didn't have amplified sound, and, you know, he didn't have all of the, the agents of assistance in, in helping to magnify the message a little bit more, which there's nothing wrong with that. But look at what he did simply with the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's why God really prompted me to speak on the third person of the Trinity, his personhood. He's not an it. He's not a force as the Jehovah's Witness organization propagates. He's not a person. He's a force. You know, maybe when you watch Star Wars at the movies or at home, on your own theater system, there's a force. But the Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a person. He is part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we want to make sure, as Francis Chan brought out in his book, Forgotten God, that we are not forgetting the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're here for today, to learn about Him, so that once we understand, just like when you got saved, you couldn't make a commitment for salvation until you understood what you were being saved from. You know, and sometimes we as Christians, we get caught up in in, 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 in religious jargon and, you know, like, you need to be saved. Oh, I don't think my life is in danger. We need to be real. We need to be authentic, but we also need to know how to relate with our culture our community. Just be a real person. Just be a person that loves the Lord, loves people, and don't be ashamed or slow to even share your faith. And when we are like that, people will listen. People will listen. And the Holy Spirit, most importantly, will be there to authenticate our message. Authentication is not just for the man or woman of God standing behind a pulpit or on a platform. Authentication is for every single one of us, believers, Christians. And now what Paul said, I, I didn't come with you with eloquent, uh, eloquent speech. He, it wasn't about being a polished popeteer, he was saying. but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know to make people feel good, that should only prepare them to receive from God what will make them more like Jesus, make them good. But if they're just feeling good, that doesn't cut it, doesn't cut it. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So two weeks ago. I uh, focused on the revelation gifts. Dealing with the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. Not the gift of discernment. There is no such thing as the gift of discernment. Biblically, it's referenced as discerning of spirits. I discuss their purpose, their function. And we need those gifts, especially in the day and age we're living in now. I discuss also how in the life and ministry of Jesus, all of those gifts, as well as all of the nine, were operating in and through our Savior. Now, you've got to understand, when Jesus took on human form, when God the Son became the Son of Man as well as the Son of God, when He took on human form, He lowered Himself to a place of limitation. Humanity, human body, had to eat, had to sleep just like us. So all of the ministry that He demonstrated from the forgiving of sins, the breaking of strongholds, you know, you know sharing the message of God the Father's love, and, and, and seeing strongholds broken. There are too many people, especially even in the church. Listen, we're all inclusive. We're all included. God does not want us tormented up here. He doesn't. He came to set the captive free. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I know what it is because I went through a season when Satan, all of these things, and all of the garbage from the pain and the brokenness of my life was also tormenting me. I know what it was like, especially after my father's death. All these things happening. But Jesus, He broke that. And what He does for one, He desires to do for all. He wants us free here and here so it can be demonstrated out here. How many believe that? Amen. How many really believe it? Amen. It's important that we understand what Jesus wants to do, or we'll never take steps to move towards that. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play. I love him. Oh, he makes Jesus so real to me. I, I, I've shared with you how when, when I went to a large conference and, and all of a sudden God just came and visited me, and, and I'd always grown up because I had a rough father, you know, thinking of God the Heavenly Father was a challenge for me. I was always a Jesus guy, especially I got saved during the whole Jesus movement. You know, I was with all those bands like Love Song and all the others. I was with those guys. Many of those guys are friends of mine. And and so I was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then when I, I encountered the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, with that baptism of fire, I was Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and Jesus. Jesus, Holy Spirit. I just overwhelmed. But God the Father for a season was an enigma for me until he introduced himself. And the Holy Spirit said, and Jesus said, Craig, you know, you need all three of us. We're one, but you need to understand the Father. I want to heal you of the brokenness of that past so you can enjoy his presence. And he did it. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I know the Holy Spirit, especially I believe with all of my heart, Jesus Christ is returning Sooner than ever. I do believe that with all my heart. You know, yes, I'm a man of the word, but I am also a man of education after achieving my doctorate. Yes, I believe in furthering our, our education and our academia, but when I study the word and even when the Spirit of God authenticates, speaks, and confirms what I'm studying, it's, it's the signs are all around. He's coming soon. Someone said, Pastor, what would you do if the rapture happens when you take your group to Israel this September? I said, Well, I can't imagine where Jesus ascended, I could ascend up to heaven at the same time at that place 2,000 years later. I don't feel the rapture, fear the rapture. The only thing I desire is, Lord, may I make the best of all of the time you've given me to give people Jesus. Not denominations, not organizations, not a program, but a personal encounter with their Creator. Amen? Can't think of anything better. So we looked at the Revelation gifts two weeks ago, and today we're going to continue, as I highlight, the power gifts. Everybody say, the power gifts. Now, as I've brought out, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the Revelation gifts dealing with word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The power gifts, which is a demonstration, obviously, of God's power, consist of the gift of faith, gifts of healing, and the gift of miracles. All of these, God's creation ability demonstrated as they were through Jesus, now through us. Jesus, when He gave the Great Commission, and then even in Acts 1.8, when He spoke, You shall be My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He knew that the integral part of seeing that fulfilled demanded, The same anointing of the Holy Spirit he had in himself when he had bodily form, his incarnation, within every other blood-washed saint of God. They need the same anointing. Do you know Jesus actually demonstrated how to operate in all nine gifts of the Spirit during his earthly life? 33 and one half years he demonstrated. He had a place of limitation. It's important to know that. That means he couldn't go without rest. He could not go without eating or hydrating. And he had to depend on God. When he would speak the words of God, the words of his Father, he had to depend that the Holy Spirit of God would come and show up and confirm and fulfill those words. When he stood before the tomb of Lazarus, he had to exercise faith, the gift of faith. And when he spoke, he believed the Holy Spirit would show up and bring that man out of that tomb four days after his death. And so everything that Jesus demonstrated in every gift of the Spirit, I'll bring out next week even, he even spoke in tongues. People say, well, he was God, he knew everything. No, he was God incarnate, yes. But he was in a place of limitation. He only knew what the Holy Spirit would reveal to him. He had to be educated just like all of us. If it was all there, why wasn't he at a PhD degree level when he was just a new infant? Why is it that he was schooled? Why is it that he was trained in the Torah, and the books of the law? He had to bring the human side up to par with the God side. Is this making sense? And so we as believers, the same thing. We need the Holy Spirit's partnership with us. His anointing, His power. So that when something is beyond a natural means, thank God for natural means. Thank God when you go to a doctor and they can take care and remedy. They gave me some antibiotics for my, for my sinus infection. Within a day, I, I, I felt the effects of that. Thank God for natural resources. But when something is beyond the natural, then we've got to call on from the kingdom of heaven, the supernatural. Power, authentication of Almighty God. Hallelujah. The power gifts, God's ability not only as it was through Jesus, but in and through us. So with that in mind, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-11. through 11. Some of you may have said, I thought that was the end of the message. We have only just begun. Praise the Lord. Scripture says the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings, plural, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's divine interaction, His partnership, His authentication of of the message that's being shared is for that purpose and that purpose alone. God's power confirms His Word. God's power confirms His Word. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy, you know, just having a message is not enough. But having a message that's filled with power is what God intends. And this is what he says to those when the Holy Spirit is not allowed to intervene. Or even other avenues of religion and faith separate from the Judeo and now Christian, you know, teachings of the Word of God. Paul says having a form of godliness, but denying its power. People, I believe with all of my heart, my research I do and the things that I listen to as well, and all of the statistics that I read, people are tired of being entertained in church. People want to hear sound doctrine. But they also want to encounter the God of old old today. They hear about how He heals. When's the last time? Those of you watching online, as well as those of us gathered here, when was the last time you saw God do a supernatural miracle of healing in someone's life? When's the last time when you you saw the demonstration of discerning of spirits to where you knew exactly what was motivating a person, and it wasn't the Spirit of God that you were able to see so that you were not caught up in that moment and led astray? We need more than ever God's power to give us wisdom. And for people who are hungry for sound doctrine, they are also hungry to encounter the God of miracles. They've read it in the Word, they've studied it, why aren't we believing for it? Is their, their acclamation of question. Why aren't we praying for it? Why aren't our altars open up? Why is it we're in and out? Why is it an opportunity for salvation? Why do we say, well, if anyone was touched, come and meet me later and we'll talk about this? Why are we not living in the moment? Why are people not taking their faith to the marketplace, to the streets? I told you the story how I was at the Acme. Someone was laying on the floor. They were totally comatose. People were centered around and gathered. And I just said, Lord, in Jesus' name, heal this woman. And do you know what? Instantly, when I said the name of Jesus, she opened her eyes. The paramedics came in. Many of them friends with us because of how we honor our first responders here. And they said, Rev, what's going on? And I said, I just found this woman with these others. But God intervened. She was then taken and able to be treated appropriately. Why are we not, like the New Testament church, bringing Jesus in the moment? That doesn't mean you walk through Acme. Well, I'm going to take my message to the meat aisle now. And I'm going to end up on the ice cream aisle. Hallelujah. Because salvation is dessert. I'm not talking about, you know, being, being, you know just, just, just being personally motivated to where it becomes about us and we're showcasing. We never showcase us we always emphasize Jesus. And and so that's what also happens with the gifts of the Spirit. When we give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to move, we also give an opportunity to make Him famous because people know we can't heal the sick. They know we can't break strongholds. But when they see Jesus do it, do what men can't do, that's the Jesus they'll want to follow. The woman at the well. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did Jesus operated in the gift of word of knowledge, supernaturally knowing things of her life because of the Holy Spirit's involvement, and it brought her to an encounter that changed her forever. And Jesus did it at a well. He didn't wait till he got to the synagogue. He didn't make a special trip to the temple. He didn't tell people, well, meet me at the temple and I'll pray for you there. He was in the moment, and so do we need to be. We need to be your friends in the moment when they share. You are God's. Voice and hand extended. So God's power confirms His Word. And that means if we deny His power, we deny His gifts. We deny His intervention. I've always said inspiration without manifestation always falls short. We get everybody excited, and then we say, well, that's it. Well, what about now the power? You know, I need prayer. Can someone pray for me? Can you pray for me? We don't want to bring people to that point where they're ready, and we shut it down. We want to be instant in season and out of season. And just as Jesus needed the gifts in order to authenticate His message, everywhere He went, there was miracles, signs, wonders, divine intervention, chains were broken, people's lives were were restored. Who wouldn't want to follow someone like that? The religious leaders got angry because they were all about themselves. They were building their own reputation. They were building their organizational kingdom rather than the kingdom of the Father. And so they hated Jesus because He made them look bad. He made them look bad. But when the Lord's power is there, and people not only hear the truth, but they experience the truth, that life has changed forever. And I I believe that's what's happened to many of you. And those of you watching online, this is the kind of Jesus you encountered. And how could we not follow Him after all of His goodness and mercy, which, by the way, He has promised will follow us all the days of your life. Better look over your shoulder Goodness and mercy is trying to track you down and tackle you. Hallelujah. How many want that in your life? you got to believe it. I I, I think the mindset now we've been conditioned as Christians to where we've we've learned to deal with and live with powerlessness. God doesn't want that. Believe again. That's what happened to Saul and, and all of his soldiers when Goliath of the Philistine army would come out every day and blaspheme the God Jehovah. Blaspheming Saul and the Israelites. And they just kept running back into their tents because they didn't believe. They gotten used to the arm of the flesh. Paul says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not swords and spears. But they're mighty through God. And Saul and his armies just got used to depending on men. And, and yes, we need to use and, and depend on those resources to a point. But there comes a point when the challenge is always bigger than us. And we trust God. Amen? Amen. And it took a 17-year-old shepherd boy who came down and he confronted Goliath. Why? Because he was willing to believe. He was passionate. Passionate for God. So that's what happens when a person who has a passion for the Lord will rise up and take the courage, Lord, even if I fail, then I'll fail believing. Amen? That's the kind of dedication. But God's not going to let us fail. He's not going to let us falter. But I really believe the church has been conditioned at large to where we've become so used to living without His power that now we go to church out of duty, and we love the Lord, and we lift our hands. and Amen. I, 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 I understand that. That's my life too. But when do we go to the next level where we say, Lord what you did 2,000 years ago. Do it again. Do it again. I was driving with Cindy. We were in the car. And the Holy Spirit does this to me often. He'll just come and overwhelm me in random places. And we were driving through Peddler's Village. And Cindy was going to make a deposit at the bank. And the Holy Spirit just came in. I had the worship song. Do It Again was playing. Talked about walls coming down strongholds being broken, what you did in old, do it now, do it again. And God just overwhelmed me. Oh, thank you when you do that, Lord. I mean that. And he overwhelmed me and I just began to break in, and he spoke to me. He said, once you finish this series on the Holy Spirit, on July 9th, I want you to preach three words. Walls come down. Walls come down. Then I just began to weep. God wants... His church. He wants the unsafe, people that don't know Him, that the walls that are hindering and harassing and holding them back can come down. And how do they come down? The Holy Spirit of God. We need to understand Him. We need to worship in spirit and in truth. So let's begin by looking at the first of the power gifts, the gift of faith. What exactly is faith? Do you know Scripture brings out there are actually four different kinds of faith? Four different kinds of faith. First, there's natural faith. Pastor, what's natural faith? Natural faith is something you learn by doing the same thing over and over and over again. Just like when you walk into a darkened room, you flip the light switch, you have faith, confidence, you believe that when you flick that light up, the lights will go on. You didn't need to have a a revelation or a vision to see that take place. You learn that by doing the same thing over and over again. Just like a lab rat can learn to do certain things. Our dogs are trained and learn tricks and other animals as well. It becomes a natural faith that's learned by repetition. Then there's a second faith, which the Scripture calls saving faith. I'm hoping you're writing these things down. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. As I mentioned earlier in my introduction, when we come to know Jesus, when, how many of you remember when you got saved, when your life was really touched and changed? When you came to that place in your life spiritually, the reason you were able to encounter the Lord in that way was because the Holy Spirit imparted to you a measure of faith so that you understood salvation. You understood your need for Jesus. You understood sin. He helps you to see what maybe you've shared with other people, maybe friends or even family members. And, and as you talk to them at times, it feels like there's just like a like a blinder over their eyes. Or, or, or they just can't comprehend like a, like a smoke or a fog. But when the Holy Spirit finally opens someone's heart and mind to perceive and understand, that's when He is imparting a measure of faith, saving faith. And that's why when you have friends, family, people you know, you know you're you not going to be able to debate these people to come to Jesus. Yes, we are still commanded to share truth and share His Word, share our testimonies, but most importantly, we have to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would impart a measure of faith, saving faith, So people's hearts and minds, their eyes are open. They can understand. They can perceive. And once they understand and perceive, they can receive. Just like when you got saved. Again, you had to understand, what am I being saved from? You know, someone says, you you need to get saved. And and again, you, you think, well, I don't understand what you're talking. Especially in the modern age we live now. There are more unchurched people now in our nation, in other parts of the world, than any other time in history. So it's imperative that we know how to just speak like a regular person, but most importantly, ask the Holy Spirit to make Jesus real to them. That's what brings saving faith. Then there's a third faith that I reference as growing faith. Growing faith. Look at Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus was speaking to His disciples, and He said this. And remember, again, growing faith. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Notice that he equates this growing faith with a seed, and even a very small seed at that. What happens when you plant a seed into the ground? It germinates, then, under the right conditions, it grows. It produces fruit. It could be a flower, it could be a vegetable, it could be a fruit. But as this seed is planted, as it's cultivated, as it's cared for, it grows. And the same thing is applicable for growing faith. Growing faith, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Faith, meekness, self-control. Faith, the fruit of the Spirit. Growing faith. A seed of faith that comes from the seed of God's Word. I saw on Facebook, I posted it, reposted it. Said, some people say God doesn't speak. Well, if you open your Bible, you'll hear His voice. The Word of God is His seed. When we study, as Paul told young Timothy, to show yourself approved to God, a workman, that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. See, when we are studying the Word of God, you all being here today, those of you watching and worshiping online, you're receiving an implantation of faith. I'm releasing the Word of God, the seed of God, So that that seed can be planted into your spirit and it can grow. Growing faith. The more seed you plant, the more harvest you're going to realize. Some people say to me, why do I struggle with the same sin, Pastor, over and over and over and over and over and over again all the time. Now, no one asked me that in this church. That was my previous church, people who asked me that. But they'll say, why do I keep struggling? I said, you got to eat. You know, you got to plant the seed. Then that seed turns into spiritual food. Manna from heaven. Didn't Jesus liken His Word unto the manna of heaven, the bread of life? And as we feed on the Word of God, the Word of God becomes real. Faith begets faith. And then as that faith begins to dominate in our lives, because we've learned how to hear His voice, He never speaks contrary to His written Word. Never. What happens sometimes when people try to move in the operation of the holy spirit's gifts if they're not strong in the word of god then they go by their emotion and their perceptions rather than the foundation of his unchanging written word and when we're versed here it protects us from any other spirit leading us into any other direction other than god's direction amen so growing faith that means you are what you eat you've heard that from a natural perspective But spiritually, we are what we eat. How many of you want more faith in your life? Then eat the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise His name. Then the fourth demonstration of faith is the gift of faith. The one that Paul mentions in our text this morning. This is not a natural faith. It's not saving faith. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. This is a supernatural unlearned faith that has the ability to believe and see things as God does and activate the miraculous. The gift of faith is the foundation of all the other eight gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. This supernatural faith, it cannot be earned, it can't be learned, nor used at will. We can't just call up any of the gifts of the Spirit as well as faith at any given moment. Faith, activate now. It's just like, look at Samson as an analogy. Do you know Samson wasn't an overly muscular developed man? Scripture brings that out. He had a regular natural physique just like any other man who would demonstrate and show that he's taking care of his physical health, his body, and making sure that everything is appropriate, but there was nothing there that would demonstrate that he had done exercise and overdeveloped certain parts of his anatomy. He had a regular physique. That's why when the Philistines, when the Spirit of God would come upon him, Scripture says when the strength would activate, it was only when the Spirit of God came upon him. He couldn't determine and will that on his own. He had to wait until God intervened. That way Samson stayed dependent upon the Spirit of God and knowing also that even when this gift would manifest, this demonstration of great strength, supernatural strength, he knew it was God and not him. And that's the same way the gifts of the Spirit operate with us. God doesn't want us assuming, you know, ownership of any of the gifts. That's why they're called the gifts of who? The Holy Spirit. And they are distributed as God wills at any given moment for whatever need may be demonstrated so that God can intervene on someone or a situation. Praise the Lord. They can't be earned, they can't be learned, nor used at will. This gift belongs and comes from the Spirit of God as He wills. Some examples. What about Jesus when they were crossing the other side? The demoniac was waiting at the Gathering tombs, and Jesus said, We're going to the other side. So they get in the boat, everybody's rowing, all of these experienced fishermen and, and boatsmen, and here they are making that journey from one side to the other. Jesus goes down below. He was tired. He had to rest, which showed, again, he had physical limitations. And he's, while he's sleeping, a great storm arises. They're all fearful. Finally, they call Jesus up from the bottom. And what does he do? First, he says, why do you lack such faith? A lack of faith allowed that storm to persist. And then immediately, Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, and it was calmed. What was that a demonstration of? The gift of faith from the Holy Spirit. How about Jesus when he paid taxes for he and Peter? Remember, they came up and they said, do you pay your taxes? And so Jesus sends Peter. I'm I'm obviously shortening this. And he sends Peter. Peter catches the fish, pulls it out. And then when they look into the mouth, there's two drachmas. One for the taxes of Jesus one for Peter. How did that happen? Jesus had the faith that he knew, if he sent Peter to do that, that the Holy Spirit would honor that word and provide. Now, make sure when you all go on vacation, you take your fishing rod. Because just in case you're behind in your taxes, just maybe, could you imagine that? You're fishing and you pull out two gold coins Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, I think that would be very self-serving. But at least we see another demonstration of the gift of faith in operation. What about when Jesus fed the multitudes? How would a little boy's basket of food, a few loaves, a few fishes, how would that feed the multitude of thousands? But Jesus took what was little, and by faith, everybody say by faith. He multiplied it. How did he multiply it? He acted on it. It says, as he broke the bread... The multiplying just kept happening. Faith always acts. It doesn't wait. Isn't that what happened when, uh, when Jesus was walking on water? And, and that was more of a miracle. We're going to see that in a moment. But faith is always partnered with all the other eight gifts of the Spirit. And then when he called Peter, he said, Peter, come to me. Come. Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come. Come. Lord, again, if it's really you, bid me to come. Come. Lord, I know you've told me to test every spirit. You know, no, he didn't do that. Peter then had to act. Faith always acts. doesn't wait. Once you have the direction of God, you've got to do it. It's like we built this building in the back. Million dollar facility. We paid cash for it. God provided every dollar. But we had nothing when we began. But by faith, we acted. Faith always acts. Remember the man who was crippled? The man who they let down through the ceiling of the roof while Jesus was teaching? And what did Jesus tell him to do? He didn't lay hands on the man. He, all he told him to do was pick up his bed and walk. And he did. Faith acts. And this man's faith was affected by the faith of Jesus. And that's what happens with us as we act, as we step out by faith. I mean, that's how you know you believe. When you take a step of faith. How many of you have ever taken steps of faith in life? Step of faith when you're married. Step of faith with a new job. Step of faith buying that new house, whatever it may be. What about steps of faith when it comes to ministry? Getting out of our comfort zone and allowing God to be our only resource. And then, hallelujah, if you don't show up, I'm going to blow up, Lord. But He is faithful and what He has deemed and ordained. He will fulfill. He always provides for what He orders. Always. Always. Sometimes people get ahead of God because they want it in their timing. Wait on the Lord, let God provide, and He will show you His goodness and His mercy and His greatness. I believe that with all my heart. So here we see, again, the gift of faith and the gift of faith always preceding the other gifts as they are in operation, which is why the gift of faith is considered the greatest of all the power gifts. Why? Because it's the foundation from which all the gifts operate, starting with then, after the gift of faith, gifts, plural, of me, uh, gifts of healing. The gifts of healing have nothing to do with medical science. Thank God for medical technology. Amen? Some of my closest friends, we have doctors in this church. Thank God for their abilities and their training, their skills. God has used doctors in my life to bring, restore health to me, and God has also restored health to me supernaturally. Thank God when there is medical science, human learning, natural intervention. But that is not the gifts of healing in operation. Think about the following statements when it comes to healing. If medical technology, and again, we've established I'm in favor of. If medical technology represents the gifts of healing, then it would be free from mistakes. When did Jesus ever make a mistake when he healed someone? Oh, I, I didn't foresee this complication. Well, this will be a side effect of my prayer of faith. But just write it through and you should be okay. There's no side effects when the Lord divinely intervenes. Amen? You don't have to read, you know, all of the possibilities. You, you ever see the commercials for pharmaceuticals? And we have fever, several phar- pharmaceutical people within our congregation. But I'm all, I always laugh, Cindy and I both, when they go through... At rapid speed, they speed up the tape, all of the possibilities, the side effects of certain drugs. And I look at Cindy and I say, I need the gift of interpretation to even understand what that announcer just spoke. Right? How about this? If medical technology represented the gifts of healing, then doctors shouldn't charge for their services. Jesus never did. We're never, we're never to prostitute the Holy Spirit nor His gifts. Amen? You know, I've seen, report, I've seen people in my history, I've been in the ministry a long time, and I've seen people who misrepresent God's gifts, His Word, and they have healing lines, and you pay. You pay. You have a $100 line, a $500 line, and how can you buy the anointing? That's a sin of Thinking that you can buy the Holy Spirit's power? I fear for those people. I fear for them. Here's another one. I thank God for doctors, but they are only a natural resource which assists the body in its God-given healing process. But when the gifts of healing are in operation, the gifts of healing are a supernatural demonstration in that moment of the Holy Spirit's healing power. Look at the phrase gifts of healing. Gifts, again, is in the plural. In fact, it's the only gift that is listed as plural. And why do you think that is? Just that there are many diseases, there are also many levels of anointing for healing. I'm going to prove it to you. The American Medical Association states this. There are 39 basic categories of sickness and disease. 39 categories. Now let me ask this question. How many stripes were laid on the back of Jesus? 40 less one. 39. Here's another one why we can know that God wants even to heal our minds if they've been broken by life. When the crown of thorns were placed on His head, and the blood ran down His brow, that blood brought healing for broken minds, His stripes for broken bodies and the cross for broken spirits that could then be renewed, revived so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus received, according to the Word of God, 39 stripes on His back. Matthew 27, 26. Then He, speaking to Pilate, released Barabbas to them. And when He had scourged Jesus... He delivered him to, the cru- to be crucified. Now, of all through Scripture, and we see it documented, a Roman scourging is always 40 less 1. In addition, Jewish law forbid anyone to receive 40 lashes when being punished. Only 40 less 1, 39. So the 39 stripes, what do they represent? Even before there was an American medical association, God the Father already knew. The 39 stripes represent each category of sickness and disease. The blood of Jesus indeed covered it all. Which is why I believe there are 39 different gifts of healing, 39 different levels contingent upon the need in a person's body. Again, Isaiah 53, verse 5, By His stripes we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, The chastisement, for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. That word healed in the Greek is also defined as we receive the remedy, the cure. We're made whole. So in other words, the gifts of healing are God's supernatural intervention providing healing, remedy, cure, and wholeness for the afflicted. Hallelujah. That excites me. Faith and healing working together just as faith and the last of the power gifts, the gift of miracle. Are you all with me? This is important to understand. And I hope you're taking notes. You can go back and watch this also on our, on our rebroadcast so that you can research these things and take it right to the Word. Establish that foundation of His Word, and you'll be a powerhouse for His glory. Look at the word miracles. It comes from the word dunamis in the Greek. The same word, the equivalent, we get the word dynamite from. So we know it's explosive. It's powerful. makes an impact. It's defined as obviously power, strength, might, virtue, or miracle-working ability. The gift manifests, that of miracles, in two distinct ways. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 12, as we see those two distinct ways miracles represent themselves. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done amongst the people. So miracles demonstrate through a sign or a wonder. So what is a sign? A sign is a demonstration that defies the laws of nature. Did you hear that? A sign in the category of miracles, when a sign is demonstrated, it will defy the laws of nature, such as Jesus turning the water into wine. It defied the laws of nature, such as Jesus walking on water. He defied the laws of nature. Then, when you look at a wonder, a wonder is what? It's an extraordinary or an inexplicable demonstration of creation power. The same power God demonstrated at creation. When God said, Let there be light, light came from nothing, there was nothing there but darkness. The Holy Spirit was hovering, it says in Scripture, over the face of the deep, but darkness covered it all. And the moment God said, let there be, and then through that six days of nonstop creation power being demonstrated, God brought something from nothing. Miracle. It's recreative. Just like when the blind man who was born blind, he was born without eye sockets. And remember when Jesus spit in the ground, picked up the dirt, and he smeared it. On this man's eyes. He had never seen a day in his life. He was born that way. Finally, Jesus prays for him. What happened through that? The man supernaturally had his eyes restored. God created eye sockets and eyeballs, and the people marveled. The religious leaders were dumbfounded. They tried to discount discount the miracle, but they couldn't do it. He brought something From nothing. Same thing as I mentioned earlier when he stood before the tomb of Lazarus. He brought something from nothing. He had been dead four days. Jesus purposely waited until the fourth day because Jewish mysticism, not the Word of God, but just the the old fables that people would share, they would say that a spirit would, would float around the body of a dead individual for three days and then by the fourth day that spirit was gone. So Jesus purposely waited for four days. So that no one could say, oh, his spirit was still hovering around. Jesus waited until the fourth day. That's why, that'd make a good sermon, wouldn't it? The miracle of the fourth day. Praise the Lord. Maybe I'll preach that sometime. But there was a reason. And that life, that death to life encounter was re-creative. Re-creative. How many believe that he's still a God of signs and wonders? He's still the God of miracles. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. I'm trying to get your faith level up. I really am. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Kenneth Hagan, he says this, the individual being used to manifest the gift of miracles participates in the same power of God that was in the manifestation when God created the world. He surely worked a miracle when he spoke the earth into existence. Signs and wonders. God wants us to be a sign and a I told you how I was in the hospital once. I was there to give the last rites to a man. He, he was comatose. He was on machines. They were going to pull the machines off, turn off the switch, and then he would go into the presence of God. I can't think of a better place to be. But when I walked in, God told me, he says, they're preparing for a funeral. I want you to speak life. And I felt, the, I felt faith, just like Samson must have felt, mm-hmm, that strength would come upon him. And I felt faith come on me. And I went in, and they said, we're so glad you're here, Pastor. They're getting ready to to pull the plug and and take them off life support systems. And I said, let me pray for him. God told me you're preparing for a funeral. He wants to give life. We'll allow him to play that out. I said, everyone, leave the cubicle. He was in intensive care. I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask for healing power. Then the Lord said to me, call him by name. I said, Lou Omer, that was his name, "I, I rebuke death off of you. And I call you back to the land of the living. As soon as I said that, his whole body began to shake on that gurney, that hospital bed. Within seconds, his eyes opened. He had been comatose for four days. His eyes opened. They came in within 20 minutes. They deincubated him and they took out the breathing assistance, everything. Two days later, he went home. He lived seven more years. That was the gift of miracles. I got to tell you, surprised me but I made myself available. You think Peter wasn't surprised when he started walking on water? Let God surprise you. Step out by faith. Believe. Believe by inviting maybe people you know who are broken and hurting to church. Care enough to say, Holy Spirit, I want to be used by you. We have this VBS outreach coming up. Invite children to come. We can handle them all. What do you think, Stephan and Alex? Can we handle more kids? Absolutely. We want to give them Jesus. We want to prepare their little hearts, especially in the awful times and what they're hearing now as narratives. We want to give them God's narrative. Can I hear an amen? amen? When the gift of miracles is in operation, you know what it does? It will focus people's attention on God. Because only God can do what God can do. We all have limitations. In closing, more than ever, Listen to me. I mean this from the depths of my heart. More than ever, the church, Christians, we need the power gifts. God never called us to be a powerless church. He called us to be an effective church, a church that has access to his creative miracle working ability at any given moment. That's the God I serve, the God of power, the God of miracles, the God who brings the dead back to life. Praise God for His faithfulness. Praise God for the gift of faith. Praise Him for the gifts of healing. Praise Him for the gift of miracles. Because honestly, without them, we're outnumbered and we're outgunned. You'll never never overcome the enemy with natural resources, a supernatural adversary demands supernatural gifts and anointing. The power of God enlarges the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. How many want the power of God active and present in your life? How many of you? Don't be embarrassed by the Holy Spirit. Don't be embarrassed by God. Don't allow the traditions of men... Show me anywhere in the Word of God where it says His power and His gifts are no longer for today. Then you can convince me, but you'll never do it. Because it's not in the Word. Let's never be content with just enough. God is El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. And He has more than enough for you. I'm going to pray for people. If you need a miracle in your physical body, we're going to pray for healing this morning. If you need an intervention in your life so there's something a mountain that's bigger than you Then we want to pray and and I know God's going to address that mountain if you'll believe If you will dare to believe God will move on your behalf Then I also want to pray an impartation It's time to stop focusing on the people on the platform Yes, I may act as a pastor as a conductor of an orchestra But I can't play all the instruments. And the true purpose of the man or woman of God who has a pulpit gift is to empower the saints to take the gospel to the streets, to the community, to the marketplace, to your friends and your neighbors. Dare to believe that the God of miracles can do miracles through you too. All you have to do is simply ask. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylstown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.